Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, it's been one year since our very first episode, and we're celebrating the anniversary with our very first guest, author Damon Young. We're talking about what we've learned about our city over the past year. It's Wednesday, January 11th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. it's been a year already, but I am very excited to celebrate our anniversary. Today, we're with producers Mallory Falk. Hello. And Elizabeth Kama. Hi. Our first episode dropped a year ago today. I, it's, I can't, what is time? I just don't know anymore. <laughs> uh, we're here to celebrate and talk about some of what we've learned over the past year. Um, so we decided to call up our very first guest, writer Damon Young. I did not know that I was the first guest. Yeah. I did not get anything um, to recognize that. You got, you've been asked back on the show. I've been asked back, but I feel like I should get some sort of recognition for being the first. At least I could get like a, I could get like some city cast swag or something like a t-shirt or a belt or some pencils or something. A belt. Okay. I'll see what I can do. Yeah, apologies to Damon that we haven't hooked him up with some CityCast pencils yet or a CityCast belt. Um, (laughs) But yeah, our very first episode was about the Pittsburgh food scene. And Damon sent us a eulogy for the Squirrel Hill Eaton Park. It was literally the place for smiles because that's, you know, they also gave me the smiley face cookies, which, you know, weren't the best cookies in the world, but they will do. But after midnight on Friday and Saturday nights, the Eaton Park on Murray Ave and Squirrel Hill was also the place for pancakes, milkshakes, bottomless sausage gravy, hookups, breakups, back corner booth hand jobs. Yeah, I I get it. I mean, I still walk past that Eden Park and and you know, I feel like memories from the corner. <laughs> you know, that song, I feel like it still plays. Uh, but clearly Damon is also still not over that Eaton Park closure either. I mean, is anyone, we're going to be talking about it 50 years from now, like to our great grandchildren, like you used to be able to get grilled stickies (laughs) at two in the morning. It's one of the saddest um, places I've seen close in Pittsburgh, you know, since the pandemic, like it's, it remains up there. Um, When I called Damon up to celebrate CityCast's first anniversary, I asked, what he wanted us to cover in year two. And you know he wants to know why there aren't any good spots for late night eats in Pittsburgh. And it's that punctuated too. Why does Pittsburgh treat the entire city like we're full of retirees that are eating dinner at three and going to bed at seven and getting up at five? Like that's not, I know that's the life for some of us. And if that's your life, that's great for you. But there are some of us who are still up at like 10 o'clock, who are still up at 11 o'clock, who might still, who might just be going out for the first time at like 11, 30, 12 o'clock. And they, and they would like to get something to eat. They would like to hang out. Like, yeah, you, you, you ever have a friend who just acts old? You might be that friend, Morgan. You might I be am the old that friend. friend. Yeah, yeah, you are that friend. So imagine to if you. you were a city. Imagine if you were a city. <laughs> okay. Imagine Morgan, Mor- Morganville. And how like annoying that would be sometimes. And sometimes it would be great. You know, you would get retirees. That would be great. Or that would be love to live there and families, you know, and like people with like multiple, you know, pets. 
yeah and things of that nature but you know people who are trying to be out and about you know maybe wouldn't have that much fun in morganville so it's not for everyone it's not for everyone i like hanging out in morganville i don't know what he's talking about yeah, I do too. Although to be fair to Damon, we are in Morganville during daytime hours. So, you know, during the, the regular work week. So late night Morganville, I can't speak to. Yeah, it's a it's a it's an early shutdown. We, we go to bed pretty early uh, in Morganville. <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing our face routine, you know. We're getting tucked in. Uh. <laughs> I will say, though, you know, the thing that I've loved learning while working on this show over the past not quite year, I came on board over the summer, um, but it's been how many iconic horror movies were filmed in and around Pittsburgh. And so, you know, if you can't go out for late night eats, you can always make some late night snacks at home and pop in a Pittsburgh whore flick. Um, I'm realizing I sound extremely old saying pop in a movie because that's <laughs> not how movies work anymore. But yeah. Cue up the Netflix. To, to throw in um, another ode to one of our episodes, I actually got a VCR uh, from one of the recommendations we had from our thrifting episode. So I went to ah. one of those shops. Yeah, red, white, and blue out on uh, 58. And yeah, so I have a VCR. So I do still pop in movies, you know, just that's that's for a certain crowd. But uh-huh. <laughs> geriatric millennials. Yes, for the geriatric millennials who still like the feel of, uh, of a cassette tape. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite episodes to put together involved uh, local film history. Mallory, you and I got to go on tour at the Buffalo Bill House from Silence of the Lambs. If anyone hasn't, you know, if you haven't seen this movie, one of the villains, Buffalo Bill, is this like really creepy man who uh, definitely shops at the thrift stores that I shop at. (laughs) And uh, he kidnaps women and makes flesh suits out of their skin. Yeah. And so Silence of the Lambs was filmed all around the Pittsburgh area. There's an iconic scene at Soldiers and Sailors Memorial Hall in Oakland. But all the Buffalo Bill scenes were shot inside this house in Periopolis that's now been turned into a boutique hotel. Um, But that really pays homage to Silence of the Lambs, including this replica of the basement well where Buffalo Bill kept his victims. Truly the attention to detail to the entire house is amazing. You have like little scratch marks inside, bloody scratch marks inside the well. And the fingernails, if you look really closely, uh, right there, those at the top point, those are fingernails just like the the movie had. Yeah, you know, when I started working at CityCast, I had no idea that it would end up with me holding a recording kit in a basement well with the sounds of Precious the dog barking in the background. So that was a really interesting turn (laughs) in this past year that I loved getting to to our Buffalo Bills. Yeah, as like, you know, a little bit of a a film buff, it was a very, that was just so cool. Uh, And it was almost criminal that we got paid to do that. Thank you, CityCast. And also, Oddly serene. I think we got out there on such a nice day, but it was very peaceful. Uh, Yeah, for a serial killer's home. Hey, Pittsburgh. Behind those stately red doors on Bingham Street, the brilliant minds at Pittsburgh's City Theater have a brand new stage show for you. 
It's a modern revamp of the Shakespearean classic Hamlet. Fat Ham follows a young, queer black man named Juicy, whose father visits from beyond the grave to demand Juicy avenge his murder. Check it out through March 24th and get your tickets at citytheatercompany.org. Use code CITYCAST, all one word, for $5 off. And Elizabeth, you and I got to interview the OG Scream Queen, Judith O'Day, one of the stars of Night of the Living Dead, which is probably the most important zombie film of all time. And it was filmed right here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it was so fun to talk to her. Mm-hmm. We actually got a celebrity guest. How cool is that? I don't know. I think it's really cool. And we asked her to do a little bit of acting for us as well. If you don't mind me asking, can I get you to say the famous line from the movie? Oh, I, I think I can take a crack at that one. <laughs> I, I, wish, I wish Russ Streiner were here because he could do it just beautifully, but... They're coming to get you, Barbara. Surprisingly, even though Damon is, you know, our 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 Pittsburgh author, he doesn't share in the same enthusiasm, I guess, that that other zombie files and uh, fans of Pittsburgh horror films do. Are, do you like scary movies? Sometimes it it depends on it depends on I think the monster or the scary thing in the movie. Zombies um, don't scare you. Zombies don't. Zombies are just like yo. I I you know when I was in shape, I ran a four six. Like I could I can outrun a zombie. Yeah. Like zombies just don't. Unless it's the zombies from like World War Z, which you know are Usain Bolt, basically. <laughs> but but that wasn't really a scary movie. That was more like a thriller. It doesn't surprise me though that like you're not very afraid of too much because you're a creature of the night. Um, you're up late. You know you're you're always looking for places like. For late night writing, I am the danger. Is, is what you're saying? <laughs> I, I, I am. I am the monster. I am the danger. Without saying it, um, you know. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you. Yeah, I mean, Damon, there are monsters in Pittsburgh, and they are not. I don't think <laughs> you. I think they're lurking in the tattoo industry. Um, that's one thing that we learned in our tattoo uh, series that we did. It was kind of focused on inclusion and um, accessibility in the Pittsburgh tattoo industry. We're going to play a clip from our interview with Rita Santana. They are a uh, owner of Three Fates Tattoo Shop and a tattoo artist. But before that, I just wanted to shout out a quick resource on Instagram. Um, we are keeping Pittsburgh safe. Kind of uh, exposes some of the artists who are doing some not so savory things. Oh yeah, I have heard of artists like quoting darker skin people way higher, and I'm. I don't know if that's because they just feel like they can get away with it or because they're doing it to deter them just so it's like, oh, I don't have that much money. Like that seems way over what it should be, you know. So it's it seems like a trap to get them to go away. (laughs) Yeah, as you know, two African-American people living in Pittsburgh with tattoos. I, I spoke with Damon about this to see, you know, if if this has been anything that's ever come across his desk, you know, racism in the tattoo industry here in Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh's pretty uh, divided, you know, when it comes to race. White. And, yes, it's Pittsburgh's very white. Pittsburgh's pretty white. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's difficult to find um, artists of color who who might know what works best for your skin. Um, and, and it's difficult sometimes to feel like you belong in those environments. So these artists were trying to create spaces that were welcoming. Um, in doing this, though, 
I found out that one of the artists that that I got a tattoo from or by is kind of part of the problem. Um, you know, we heard accusations that this person allegedly, you know, has said racist things in a, in their shop. Um, and I don't know how to handle that information. You know, this is a person that uses the N-word and I have their artwork on my body. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's the, I know that's the negotiation that I feel like that we make over and over again with, with any sort of consumption here in America, where if you go, you know, go dig deep enough, you know, to the rabbit hole, you'll find all types of, you know, niggers with the hard R <laughs> coming out <laughs> from right. people's mouths, right? So, um, but this is a little different because the tattoo is so intimate. And even not just the tattoo on your body itself, but the, the process of getting the tattoo, right, where you are in close contact with this person who's doing surgery on you essentially for, you know, an hour, two hours, like some, one of my tattoos took six hours. Right. So you're in each other's space, you're close to each other. And so hearing that someone who you allowed to be in your space and you paid to be in your space, you know, is a racist that is that's really disconcerting. And so, like, what do you do with a tattoo that, you know, this person you discovered to be racist, you know, put in your body? Oof, Morgan, that's tough. Uh, I know we did speak to one tattoo artist, Jessica Tella, who does free cover-ups of hateful imagery. And I know your tattoo is a little different than that, but have you thought about getting it covered up? I have never thought about getting this tattoo covered up. You know, it has a lot of sentimental, you know, value to it. It's it's my first tattoo. I got it with my mom. It was my mom's idea. Um, you know, and I and I I do really love it. It's it, I don't know. I really don't know what I'm gonna do. I feel it's something that I'm really gonna have to think about. Um, you know, maybe I'll go to one of these shops, these more inclusive shops, to get it covered up someday. Who knows? Yeah, Morgan, I can't imagine learning that. You know, about a piece of art that I had on my body. It was crazy for me to learn that about our city. Um, you know, just as a reporter, and I didn't have that personal connection to it. Yeah, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly of Pittsburgh. You learn it all working on this show. Mm -hmm. uh, I also asked Damon what he's learned over the past year of, of listening and being on our show. I've been in Pittsburgh, you know, I'm, I just turned 44. Oh my God, saying that, that's, I think that's the first time I said that out loud. That is- The Barack Obama year. That is so many years. <laughs> that, that is a lot. That's twice as many as 22. <laughs> And I remember 22. Um, but I've been in Pittsburgh for the majority of that time. So there's not really much I could learn new about the city. Although I did learn over the past year that if a bridge collapses in a neighborhood with the right political pool and mm. tax base, then that bridge can be reconstructed in two weeks, <laughs> which is how long it took. <laughs> It felt like they get the Fern Hollow Bridge back up. I felt like bridges are supposed to take like years, decades to be built. And they they built this thing like it was a Lego bridge. They didn't mess around. Yeah, I wonder if that bridge was like connecting home with the Larmer. <laughs> or you were the, the Larmer Bridge. I wonder if they would have been as, um, I don't know, as vigilant, as quick. 
to um to reconstruct it. That is very true and kind of sad. Yeah, and you know, we just yesterday dropped an episode about all the logistics of getting our city's bridges repaired. But whenever we're talking about infrastructure, it's important to remember all the different dynamics at play. So I appreciate Damon bringing this up. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's a huge bridge that connected two very large neighborhoods as well. You know, like uh, aside from the traffic on Penn Avenue, this was mm-hmm. like another way to escape all of that. So it's both I feel like it's both replaced as quickly as it was because it was so crucial to traffic yeah. patterns over on that side of town. You know, we talk about all of the bridges that we cross constantly that we feel like are, are, you know, in very poor condition. So that was just one of them. And it's just one that's been replaced. So, yeah, we'll see in the future. And I mean, one thing that I have to say, I know I'm the newest to the team. Um, I'm the baby of the team. Uh, But I feel like I've learned a lot about myself and about my city and, you know, about all of you guys who I love very dearly uh, since I've been working here. Yeah, it's been such a delight working with both of you, working with the whole CityCast team, and I can't wait to see what year two brings for CityCast Pittsburgh. It's It's been super interesting. It's been a great year uh, learning, yeah, about our city and about all of you. A little more news before you go. What do tailpipes, power plants, and smokestacks all have in common? Besides being in Pittsburgh, they make PM 2.5. The particulate matter can penetrate deep into the lungs and cause asthma, cancer, and other illnesses. You might remember we talked about it and the other pollutants that, you know, stink up our city in our episode with Smell Pittsburgh. Well, the EPA is planning to lower the threshold for how much is allowed into the air, but clean air advocates say it's not strong enough for our city. And the Pittsburgh History Center is launching a digital archive documenting the 2018 mass shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue. The Raw Jewish History Program and Archives has collected thousands of articles and artifacts documenting the attack and its impact on the Jewish community in Pittsburgh and beyond. We'll include a link to the website in our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed this show, keep listening and subscribe to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter because we got another year of great shows and newsletters for you. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then. Whose phone just went off? Oh, is that my phone? Ooh. This is the Uber Eats. That That was was your Uber Eats? That was was two (laughs) hours delayed um, from when I ordered it.